0: When I started working at the European Investment Bank, my son started saying, Dad, you're a banker. And I said, I'm not a banker. That's, that's not what I'm doing. It's a, it's a different kind of bank. And he said, you're a banker. So that's he- an insult? Well, he thought of it that way. He thought it just meant someone who just cares about money, doesn't care about anything else. And actually, you know, banks have been quite controversial in the last 10 years. You know, so, People blame them for the financial crisis and so on.
1: So he's ashamed of what you do. Well, what does he tell the other kids at school when they ask him what his dad does?
0: Well, he goes to school with people who also work at the European Investment Bank. So I guess uh, it's not such an insult there. But even now, if I tell him to sit up straight, at the table and, and eat his food, he'll just murmur, banker. And he's only ten years old. It's really but I've I've got something that's going to correct that. What is it? Because it's today's episode of a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank. It's going to make you feel good about bankers. It's about what bankers do for society.
1: And it's even about ethical bankers.
0: Ethical bankers, social entrepreneurship, and it's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy. Talking of warm and fuzzy, make us feel warm and fuzzy by subscribing. And now, social finance. Today on a dictionary of finance from the European Investment Bank, social finance. This is one that's going to leave us all feeling very warm and fuzzy, I feel. We're going to feel very good about this. Uh, Not least because we have two great experts here on this who've actually been involved in it outside of their work at the European Investment Fund, the EIF, uh, where they work now. Yvette Go is head of social and environmental impact investments at the EIF, and Sam Klaus is senior investment officer in inclusive finance at the EIF. We've already got lots of terms there that we're going to have to define in a few minutes. But... um, before you uh, were working at the EIF, Yvette, I we've been doing some testing of your voice just here, and it sounds very good. It sounds like you might have been doing some singing at some point.
2: <laughs> well, that's uh, the little kept secret. I actually used to sing in a soul band, and one of my favorite songs to sing was R-E-S-P-E-C-T from Arisha Franklin.
1: Ah. What was, what was the band called?
2: Uh, the band actually didn't have a name. It was during my studies, so uh, we, we didn't actually get to the point of giving it a name. But, no.
0: uh, <laughs> but I'm sure our listeners are getting a nice touch of, uh, of how nice Yvette's voice is there, unless I completely messed up the recording. I hope they are. And as we're going to be talking about uh, social investment and so on, uh, we're lucky that Sam not only is now working in that field for the EIF, but actually is has a background in that as someone who Really used to do those things. Social entrepreneur—is that the phrase? Yes, indeed. But uh, at that time, uh, I was not even aware that it was
3: uh, it was uh, it was social entrepreneurship. When I created uh, a company called uh, Elisean, um whose goal was to do um, cultural activities to fight loneliness of people in the old people's houses in in Paris.
1: So, what kind of activities were
3: they? Um, it was very diverse. Uh, it was going from um, um, uh, clowns or spectacles or even uh, paintings. Uh, it was mainly done by people from the École um, uh, du Louvre and other um, schools in Paris, and it was it was
0: entertaining in an uh, elegant and uh, sophisticated way. Helping lonely old people. I told you we were going to have a warm, fuzzy feeling. It's not what you normally expect from bankers.
1: I was thinking that there's a lot of money in it. Probably, it's it's a, it's a good business idea. Yeah.
3: Was successful. it successful? It, it 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 has been successful, yeah, I must say. But but um, what what you just said it's it's interesting. In fact, um, we're going to talk about a field which involves a bit of warmth, I would say. So it's finance, but clearly it's finance made made by people that uh, have a have a heart. Let's put it like this. I hope.
0: Well, that that is one of the questions that that I wanted to ask because we're going to be mentioning the word social a lot here. So um, when we talk about the kinds of businesses that are social. The combination there is of that they should be getting some kind of financial return, but Yvette, they're also looking for social impact. So what what is social impact?
2: Social impact, and I think if you say it um, more broadly, it would be societal impact because it could be social relating to people, but also in relation to the environment. Um, so it can be many different things it depends what you're looking at it could be for instance uh, getting people who have a distance to the labor market getting them involved into employment it could be um, refugees and migrants who are actually excluded from society to integrate them to work and therefore integrate them into society it could be bringing uh, solutions to elderly people uh, to be assisted living to allow them to live in their homes much longer instead of having to go to old people's homes so impact can be different and uh, it depends really on the activity. But for for us, it's important actually that you have a combination of societal impact and uh, a financial business model with it. Is there
0: an element here where usually a business is trying to squeeze every single cent out of what they're doing? But if you're going for a societal impact, are you letting go of that a little bit and saying perhaps the return will be a little bit lower than we could get because we want to help certain groups?
2: I think there's different categories of that. There's some people that say uh, that that you make a compromise, that basically you would give some of your financial returns in exchange for creating more societal impact. Uh, I think there's also certain business models, or certain activities where the two really go hand in hand. And those, that's exactly what we're looking at. We have, uh, well, I guess one, what we call a fund for social impact accelerator? We'll get to it probably later. But there, it is actually also to demonstrate that there is that the, that the two go hand in hand. There might be a positive positive correlation as we call it you can create positive impact and because you're creating more impact you actually generate more financial returns but, so both but, are possible
1: but it seems like a, a slightly a gray area though because you know if I if I start a, if I start a sandwich shop I can always say that you know I'm, I'm providing sandwiches and I'm relieving hunger in one way or another and that's that's a societal impact right mm-hmm. so how do you where do you really draw the line because I think a lot of companies out there they all like to think that themselves as as providing a value to, mm. to to the society
3: yes um maybe i can give um an example um out of luxembourg but but before just also um i i can say that um for for us we have a bit the same but a bit different at the same time definition um but to to give a number um social enterprises well all the social um a sector it's it accounts almost for ten percent of the, the GDP in uh, in Europe, just to give a sense of the how large it is. So it's a large number of companies and um for for us uh, let's say it's it, it means that part of the, the profit is not distributed. It's basically uh kept for the social mission, let's put it uh, like this. Mm. But to give an example coming back to your sandwich I will answer with, with containers, let's say. Um there is a very interesting company, uh, to give a name, in Luxembourg called Polygon. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it in the streets um, because they have uh, containers and also these, um, how do you say, these temporary houses for the uh, when you have works, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's a very big company, but they hire people that have to be uh, long-term unemployed people mm-hmm. or that can basically not find another job elsewhere. Um, and basically it's 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 because they do this that they are clearly on the social side for us hmm. so they have they have a, and, and they are big successful very uh, recognized but they are clearly social
0: hmm. and you were talking about being a social entrepreneur now let's define that a little bit before we move we move on an entrepreneur is someone who sets up a business takes on some risk why did you decide to make your business a social entrepreneurship? Did you want to be social or an entrepreneur first?
3: What a question. That's an excellent question. I must say it's a difficult one. Um, I must say probably the uh, it's, it's it's linked to the topic also of, of what you want to do, because being an entrepreneur means um, to take a risk, to want to change a sector or the world or do something with impact, I, I guess obviously you run uh, for success and success is linked to money i mean it's it's embedded in uh, in our world but uh on my um on this venture the idea was um to fight uh, loneliness that could be loneliness in a group or when you are alone at home with an uh, with an answer and also by using an approach of uh, taking into account um um, you know, like um, employees and, and the different stakeholders a bit on an on equal basis, basically. The idea would be we will... There's, there's no type of, uh, um, you know, like strong hierarchy or there's um, the same importance for everybody. And and, and the topic itself uh, is, is a social topic.
0: Now, one of the things when an entrepreneur has a business idea, they have to get finance to start their business. So let's talk about whether... It's difficult to do that if you have a societal aim. Is that harder than if you just have, you know, a regular business idea to convince a bank, let's say, to give you money?
2: Well, I, I think if you start with the category of banks as finances, it might be, <laughs> it's fairly easy to say, yes, it's more difficult. Um I think it depends. Uh, right. I think it's different. It's it's more difficult. And I think that's also specifically why, uh, as EIF, we've cre- we've designed certain instruments to actually create that that funding that maybe wasn't there or was certainly not there uh, to the extent needed before we entered the field. Um, there are some, I think, individuals. There are some business angels, mostly sort of family individuals who, who might have a, a personal affinity with a topic. But it's very rare to find... Them. I think there's many more people uh, right now used to the field of making investments that uh, do not necessarily consider the social aspects. But,
1: but the challenge with the financing is that uh, financiers mm-hmm. might see these societal um, uh, companies as more risky or they, they see that these people are leaving money on the table and, and therefore might be less profitable. Or mm-hmm. wh- where does the gap... Come
2: from? I think there is an inherent uh, sort of belief, or uh, maybe it's prejudice, that uh, this is the part where I think it's true for some businesses not always but there is an inherent prejudice that if you look at societal impact that you're going to leave money on the table mm-hmm. and uh, this is exactly what well, we have like I said a couple of categories so one category is where we actually explicitly want to demonstrate that you can create both in parallel, you do not always have to leave money on the table now, of course there are certain types of businesses where you actually decide to, to, to limit your financial profits in order to create that impact That's, that exists as well mm-hmm. and, and I think is because of the prejudice. Also, to be honest, a lot of the social uh, initiatives that we see, many of them originate maybe from non-profit ideas that then want to become more profitable. And these these might have the prejudice going with them that because they come out of a non-profit idea that they would not generate any financial profits.
1: And one of the prejudices uh, with these uh, entrepreneurships is I think that that people feel that, uh, that it's the role of the public sector
3: It's an excellent point. Uh, In fact, I think what should be said also um, is that um, one of the impact of the the crisis or the financial crisis uh, that we had is that more and more uh, the citizens wants to control the usage of their savings. So at least it's it's a willingness, an increasing willingness. So there is a, an increasing wave of um, I am um a, I am a citizen and I want to find a bank or I want to find a place uh, to put my funds and to control what it is used for and typically what I want to see I want to see that it has a local impact in my community on for education for um, I mean whatever subject you can imagine and there is an increasing, and this is what we are also trying to accompany at EIF, uh, uh, a development of the capacity uh, of of these institutions um, um, for, for 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 placing this money with with a with a, a sense with a meaning, and so it's also developing uh, channels, uh, you know, for, for 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 this. So yes, the clearly the the state and the public entities uh, act, uh, they, they they have still the, the most active role. Uh, but also the private sector and the social private sector is is increasing
1: and there 's also there 's also a business model where the private sector starts up a social um company. And then, um, then the public sector kind of takes that over. Is that right? Is that what is that what the so- social bonds is? Is that, is that what it's called? Yeah, well,
2: it's good that you're heading that way, because I was going to, in, in response to your previous question, where you asked, uh, you know, in, doesn't society perceive it as an issue for public sector to address? I would say that maybe 10 years ago, most people would have said, well, social issues are the ones that the public sector should address respond to. Uh, I think everybody recognizes that uh, you know public sectors have had to actually look at their financial expenses as well. They've cut costs. They have reduced their, their, their public expenses. And I think today people recognize that if we don't, you know, if, if government has to cut down their resources, then maybe society has to fill in. And exactly the, what you mentioned, social impact bonds, which is a form of what we call payment by results schemes, <clears throat> are one instrument where actually the public sector is still the main stakeholders. So, what is a social impact bond? It is actually a sort of tripartite agreement between a government entity that could be national or regional or uh, local that has a social issue that they need to respond to. For instance, they have a lot of migrants and refugees that come to their, uh, their place, and, they, and these people, they stay excluded out of society. So that's one potential, uh, uh, one party. The other party are the social sector organizations who can respond and can help these migrants and refugees, first of all, get trained and get them used to the local culture and then help them to find jobs, so that once they have jobs, basically, they become part of society. And instead of receiving payments from the government to sustain their lives they actually pay taxes and they generate activity themselves the third party involved in this contract are the investors and that's the novelty i suppose that this could be private sector or uh, foundations um, institutions that that prepay the intervention so what's different in this case is even though the government they have a, an interest in the topic they don't actually pay the interactions upfront it's the investors that upfront pay the social sector or organizations organizations for making the interventions. And then if the interventions are successful, for instance, there's a target number of refugees and migrants that actually finds work in a given and defined time frame, uh, then the government pays for the results. And that's why it's called a payment by results scheme.
0: How long have those kinds of bonds been in existence?
2: How long? I I think about five years or something like that. The first uh, one, actually, in, in the U.S., they've done several. The first one in Europe was in the U.K., and it was uh, set up by Sir Cohen, Cohen, who actually established... Um, Uh, social impact bond with social finance at the time uh, to be able to integrate uh, re-offenders of uh, crimes from prisoners back into society and therefore reduce the uh, re-offense rate. That's, uh, and and I, I lose a little bit track of time, it's probably 2011, 2012, maybe six years ago, the first one. And then now in the UK, there's many. I mean, we are also invested in a fund that invests specifically into social impact bonds in the UK. And there's the biggest one in Europe. which was actually recently closed in, in Finland. It's called Kotosib. And that's exactly to reintegrate refugees and migrants. And actually EIF also funded part or is committed to, uh, to fund part of that
0: and i suppose this would be uh, earlier you mentioned uh, you know ngos that have the idea or non governmental organizations nonprofits mm-hmm. let's say that have the idea of taking what they do and making it into a, a business the idea behind that would be that way they can get more money and do more is that the idea
2: that could be the the way i think what 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 is what is effective about this setup is that um Social sector organizations are no longer paid, for instance, for the hours of input. They are actually paid for the outcomes and the results. And you can see social sector organizations themselves being frustrated by just getting the money because they have to deliver so many hours of training in language, so many hours of training, you know, in culture. Instead of looking, you know, what does what really helps these people, it is to get them all the way to finding a job. And so basically, I think a lot of social sector organizations, they see this as an interesting instrument. I think in France, there have been, has been a tender. So there is now 10, 12 programs, a t- payment by results scheme being structured, whereas actually mostly social sector organizations themselves who have come up with the initiative and said, you know, we want to make a difference. And this is a way to actually make sure they get that payment, but they get paid by the results they generate, not just by the inputs they deliver.
0: How do you, how do you measure the impact? Is it just by that, that final result? Is it? Or is there something along the way where you can say, well, we didn't get these people into employment, but we did this or this, so we got somewhere.
2: Well, typically, you would uh, set a target on what the outcome is, but you would make interim measurements. For instance, in the case of the refugees and migrants, you have a batch of people every year, and then every year there is a measurement point to see how progress, you know, how progress you, made, how, what progress you made. You could agree, and I think it differs per social impact bond hope, per scheme, uh, say, okay, so many people receive training, but actually your ultimate goal is the social outcome. So it's not just about the training. It's really about getting them to, into employment. So typically you would only see the outcome as, as a re- result, but you might have intermediate goals in terms of numbers along the way.
0: We had an episode early in our podcast series about SMEs, uh, small and medium-sized enterprises, and there we talked about the life cycle of a small business, you know starting with maybe getting money from friends and family, and then eventually being able to go to the bank and get money from the bank sam the the kinds of things you're dealing with with microfinance where is microfinance on that in that life cycle
3: mm-hmm. so um, just to drop a figure, um, we have, uh, 70% of the, um, companies that we guarantee, because this is part of what, what we do at EIF, uh, which are startups. So clearly, um, we act much more on the very beginning of, of the life cycle. And, uh, it's also aimed mainly at what we are used to call, uh, vulnerable, uh, people. Um, that are people basically that, um, were long-term unemployed or that are facing some difficulties, you know, because uh, that's how society is. Um, so they basically co- combine uh, several difficulties, and we are here to to to, to support them with uh, guarantees and public funding directly, basically.
0: What qualifies you as a micro business, you know, that you can apply for microfinance? What's the what are the parameters? So
3: it's basically uh, companies that have less than uh, 10 people and less than 2 million of turnover assets and that um, ask for a loan uh, in terms of the loan of less than 25,000 euros. But in practice, it's, uh, it's lots of companies. It's, uh, when you're a startup, by definition, it's 100% of the startups that qualify. So it's, it's, it's a large part of the, the new companies.
0: Uh-huh. We do have uh, an episode entirely on microfinance that we recorded a little while ago, so uh, our listeners can go back and and get the lowdown on on that, more details on that, and also I think we talked there about how to get microfinance, didn't we?
1: A little bit, yeah, but I, I, but I think the so so do I understand correctly the the, uh, the inclusive finance in mm-hmm. in your job title that refers to specifically dealing with microfinance for these vulnerable groups. Is that right? Um, what, is, that, is that Or what is inclusive finance? I,
3: in fact, uh, it was exactly right uh, before 2015, if I may say. Because when um, EIF, and then it's talking a bit uh, more about our daily life, uh, when we, we, we started uh, uh, working in the field, it was called microfinance team, basically. It was called microfinance, and then it became inclusive finance by adding up uh, social entrepreneurship, basically. So there are two legs, microfinance and social enterprises. And microfinance, as I said, um, it's basically uh, companies um, that are less than 10 people, and as I described, and uh, social enterprises, uh, it's companies that have less than 30 million of uh, turnover or assets, uh, and that can benefit from a loan of up to half of a million euros. So these are two different categories, but they are ultimately addressed uh, to vulnerable people or companies that have, uh, let's say, part of their profit to the mission, so that are quite uh, not purely profit-seeking, let's put it
0: in. Let's say someone's listening to this podcast and they say, oh, that's me. I check all those boxes. That's mm-hmm. the number of employees I have. I'm definitely vulnerable, etc., etc." et, cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Then how do they get this financing? So So, um,
3: as you recognize with my accent as a French citizen, I'm going to use France as an example. Maybe Uh, um, you have a couple of networks, uh, but it's true for all the countries throughout the EU, in fact. So you have networks uh, like ADI in France or um, other organizations like Initiative France to to give a couple of examples that uh, you can go to. And then you will have people that will listen to you, that will assess your project, and that ultimately will uh, give you a loan. And this loan ultimately is guaranteed uh, by EIF. So we are behind the scene, I would say, but uh, that's that's tremendously important also for the organization to have us. But can um, you go to
0: Adi and say, I'd like funding from the EIF? Or you no. just go to them and and ask for for funding. No, you you might not even know that it's from the EAF.
3: Well, uh, not well. When you enter the premises, you will see a European flag, so probably uh, you can ask, ah, oh, why is that? Um, and they will tell you, ah, oh, well, the financing it will be um, supported by the European Union, so you will know it at some point. But for for you uh, your business, I must say, it's not that important to to know the details. You need to know that uh, you are supported by EU. And that uh, the ID uh, professionals are there on a daily basis to accompany you.
0: Does that mean that without the EU backing, those loans wouldn't be made, or does it mean they just cost a lot more? You'd have to pay a much higher interest rate.
3: Uh, that's very true. What you are saying that's also very interesting. In in not all the cases, but in ID, that's perfectly correct. Um, there is a, um, um, a regulatory requirement that says that the loan have to be guaranteed somehow. So without EIF, there would not be simply this offer. So mm-hmm. the loans would not be made.
0: So we're looking at the, uh, the life cycle, and we've got that microfinance stage. Yvette, when do, when do you come in?
2: well in equity investments we actually address different stages of the life cycle we started off having what I mentioned it before the social impact accelerator it's a classical what we call fund of funds so we invest in funds that then invest into companies and typically to be ready for this kind of funding the company will have already existed a couple of years they might have tested their products a bit uh we call them maybe it's it's like a Early stage up to early growth or even expansion stage. Now, if you, we, we've been deploying this since 2013, and then we realized there's also these earlier stages that may not be addressed. And actually, there are some, like social sector organizations that may be much more established that are not addressed by this type of financing. So, for that reason, we've uh, in, introduced uh, three other instruments. One is co investment alongside business angels, who typically uh, address the very early stages. Uh, of of companies' development, uh, then also investment uh, in funds that are linked specifically to accelerators and incubators. So that's very early stage, companies that are just set up or just going through an acceleration program and payment-by-results schemes. So those are typically for the more established social sector organizations or social se- uh, enterprises that then through the payment-by-results contracts can deliver the services. So in the end, we, we cover uh, quite a broad range.
1: The accelerators that you mentioned, uh, These are we accelerating simply by cash, or are we, is, does that mean that these companies are also getting advice and maybe premises and other services that are needed to accelerate?
2: Yeah, for us, when we talk about accelerators, typically they would have a program, for instance, to to help these social entrepreneurs to to develop their business plan, to turn around their business model. So they would typically already have uh, some activity in supporting enterprises, social enterprises in our case. Uh, and that's for us, it's very important. It's always about what is the added value that investors are going to bring beyond the money that we bring.
0: And how do you, if if you're a listener out there and you think, sounds like it's for me, how do you get financing from that?
2: How you get financing? depends on which stage you're in. It's the same way as with, as uh, Sam just said, we, don't, we never invest directly into entities. So you'd always go through what we call intermediaries. In the case of funds, it would be you would go to one of the uh, impact funds. There we have made 12 investments now. So it could be in Social Impact Ventures NL in the Netherlands, it could be Impact Partenaire in France, it could be Oltre in Italy. Uh, if you then look at the uh, payment by result schemes, uh, it would be good to have a, a, an agreement or a, a sort of tripartite or an idea for a payment by result scheme. There, we also work through uh, intermediaries. So, for instance, the one in, uh, I would talk about in migrants that's actually facilitated, the intermediary is called Epikus in, in Finland. And for the incubators, accelerators, linked funds, it's, it's, it's good to get connected to one of the local incubators or accelerators. So, for instance, in, in Spain, there is a ship to be based in Barcelona. In France, there is a Sense Cube, And so there are throughout Europe, there are these incubators, accelerators that are established. And we are se- w- seeing how we can help them to fund those companies that they are working with.
1: And yeah. I presume uh, you can find the uh, the list of acceler- uh, list of these intermediaries in every country on the EIF website, the EIF.org.
2: Yes, once we made the investments. So uh, we are actually in dialogue. They are fairly new instruments and they take a bit of time to structure. So at the moment, the list that you will see on the website is not so long yet, but you will see it growing day by day.
0: You mentioned a couple of terms there, and this is a dictionary of finance. So... Business angel. It's a business angel?
2: Yes, a business angel is an individual person who uh, would invest in a company typically or provide a loan. So why is he called an angel? I guess because it's the saving angel of a company. I guess it's a bit of a, a, a visual image uh, term, but that's why they call business angels.
0: And incubator.
2: An incubator. So that's uh, typically an organization or a hub that helps startups to, uh, to exist. So the difference, I guess, between incubators and accelerators is accelerators are already an established initiative and they get helped uh, to, to change or turn around a business model. Incubators could be from the very early stages of a company being established. It's very similar, I think, to the stage that Sam would address.
0: <laughs> so let's get to another term. What's an ethical bank? Thanks for the question. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, because that's also an interesting concept. Um, um, there is, uh, we talked about the, the uh, microfinance organizations that can support the micro entrepreneurs, but also there they are now in Europe like um, ethical banks that uh, mobilize savings from, um, let's say, people um, and our listeners could could be one of them that want to give uh, a meaning to their uh, savings. And there are more and more. They are gathered within Febea uh, in Europe, which is the European Federation of Ethical Banks. In Belgium, to choose another country, you have, for example, um, it's not exactly bank, but they are like this, they are cooperative like Credal and FBOM, or you have Banca Ethica in Italy. Uh, you have um, throughout Europe banks that um, gather funds and they have quite a large amount of money now. And they use these funds to choose projects that have impact. And very interestingly, there's a full transparency. So on their website, you would see every year what has been done, basically. So that's, that's also a very interesting uh, term that I wanted to put on the table, an ethical bank.
0: So you can invest, as it were, with uh, with those banks. You can put your money in those banks and get a certain rate of return. In, yes. And your money will be going for... Yes, and in some nice places project. you can
3: even have a, an account, a current account. You can have a, it's very, very interesting uh, offer usually. Uh
0: huh. I'm going to go out and look for an ethical bank for me.
1: Yeah, I, I hope BIB qualifies as an ethical
0: bank. Profoundly, profoundly. Certainly, we do for putting out this episode because this, as I promised you, warm and fuzzy. I didn't even know how warm and fuzzy it would be. I feel I'm tingling all over <laughs> at this stage. So. Sam and Yvette, thank you for giving me that experience, and also for passing on all this fabulous information and knowledge to our listeners.
1: Yes, please uh, uh, get in touch with us. Uh, I'm at Dollar Tankler
0: on Twitter, A-L-L-A-R-T-A-N-K-L-A-R. N K L E R. I'm at EIB Matt, E I B M A T T, and yeah. don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, A Dictionary of Finance, on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and to our new podcast, Future Europe which will actually have a little bit of uh, social investment in it. Mm,
1: So it's going to make you feel warm and fuzzy again.
0: All over, all over. And
1: uh, tune in again next week for another episode of uh, Dictionary of Finance from the European Investment Bank.